You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. My guests today have been setting fire to the wheat fields and steaming up the landscape of Saskatchewan. No, they're not pyromaniacs. They are the Rosebud Burlesque Club. I'm Kevin Power, and I invite you to fasten your seatbelts and enjoy listening to how the tease is being put back into strip tease. Headmistress Cherry Pop Purr has been the driving force behind the neo-burlesque movement in Saskatchewan. A few members of the troupe join us in what is an eye-opening, brave, and very funny look into this art form. The neo-burlesque movement is making a bold statement, sometimes political, and is a unifying force between people from all genders, including the LGBT, two-spirit, and straight communities of Saskatoon. I've been looking forward to meeting these folks since I began the Sascape series, and believe me, it was well worth the wait. This is a truly fun way to welcome in our 40th episode of Sascapes. So we we are in fact in a former church in Saskatoon, mm-hmm. and we are worshiping at the altar of Burlesque this morning. I love this on the Rosebud Burlesque Club website. It says that there was a desperate need in the prairies for class and sass. So here you are setting fire to the wheat fields and steaming up the Saskatchewan landscape. That leads me to believe that you guys are a lot of fun. With me in Saskatoon this morning is Conrad Fusion, Ms. Stella Behavior, Mona Handful, the Scarlet Fawn, and Headmistress Cherry Pop Purr. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, I would like to start with the Headmistress. Um, this is fascinating to me, this art form. Um, do you know a little bit about the history of burlesque in Canada and maybe even specifically Saskatchewan? Uh, yeah, I'm actually a little bit of a history nerd myself. Great. So I, I look up things and I get books and do research. Uh, Canada actually has a very strong history of burlesque. Uh, Canada and the U.S. It was sort mm-hmm. of, um, there was a circuit that went through the U.S. and through Canada and there's a lot of different um, performers that would tour both countries. Um, burlesque started uh, mainly in the U.S., um, and then spread quickly to Canada, um, especially Montreal and Toronto and also uh, Vancouver. So um, those were the three main burlesque hubs um, when it was big. 
Uh, there are some uh, Canadian um, living legends of burlesque that are still alive. Um, I've met two of them, myself personally, and uh, one of them, Judas, Miss Judith Stein, the Lady Divine, she came to Saskatoon to work with our club, and do, she taught a workshop on um, panel skirts, and uh, she did a little performance for us, and we've worked with her a couple of different festivals now, um, and I'm going to be reconnecting with her in Calgary uh, next month at wow. a festival there. And so she was part of the circuit back in the she day? She was, and she's still performing, and she is still fabulous. Wow. And so back in the day, what kind of time frame are we talking about? She would have been performing in the sort of the tail end of burlesque, so uh, late 60s, early 70s. Uh-huh. Um, when burlesque was, uh, na- it was no longer really in the theaters. Occasionally it was in theaters, but it was mostly being moved into the strip clubs. Right. Um, so the scene was changing. Um, there were the go-go dancers, topless dancers emerging, those types of things. And also, um, strip clubs that featured, um, 100% stripping down to nudity. Right. Um, so she was, she was coming out of that generation, but she was still of the previous generation where she had acts that actually had, um, content and storyline and humor and all of the uh, things that people think of traditional style burlesque. Right, and that tradition went, I mean, there were burlesque shows during the war. Well, they st- it started sort of, um, I would say, in the l- 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, really, uh, to really take its foothold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the heyday was sort of during the, uh, the 40s, uh, 30s and 40s. Right. If you look at things like, um, Minsky's Burlesque in New York, that's sort of where a lot of the major ladies like Gypsy Rose Lee and, right. and whatnot were, uh, appearing. And, um, they, it was making a huge, huge scene, of course. Right, and right. there was all yeah. kinds of, you know, police raids and a variety of drama happening. And, you know, it was kind of like a bonus if your your um featured dancer was arrested you know <laughs> pumped up your sale you're, you guaranteed sold out houses for weeks and things like that um there's been a resurgence since then uh which is called neo burlesque mm-hmm. um it's based on and rooted in the history of uh burlesque having respect for um the performers of the past but also as burlesque is is want to do it is relevant to today so right. um you know it's always been socio-political it's always had um it's it's uh um, content that is for sort of poking fun at people and making, um, bringing issues to light, uh, that are current events, um, things that people deal with. But there's a lot of universal things in burlesque that we are still working on and making fun of, um, that we were in the, you know, 30s as well. <laughs> and back in the day in the circuit in Canada, I understood that a lot of what I call the soft seat theaters across the country, um, the capital, the old capital theater chain used to be part of that, were often roadhouses for some of the burlesque shows that came through. Yeah, there was a sort of, they called it a wheel. And it was like uh, you would just go around and around and around on the wheel. So uh, performers would travel from different center to different center. And, and most of those uh, theaters at some point or another would host a burlesque show, um, no matter how rural they were, because uh, it was a big draw. And also it sort of ran parallel uh, or just a little behind the vaudevillian uh, wheel circuit. So uh, burlesque kind of emerged um, simultaneously, but outlasted vaudeville because um, vaudeville was kind of killed by the advent of film. Um, right. So people could get fam- wholesome family entertainment 
um, in a cheaper way and uh, they could just go to the movies. So movies really uh, killed vaudeville. Eventually, um, movies ki- also sort of killed burlesque because um, you you could pay your, you know a, a, a penny to see a burlesque sure. film as opposed to paying. Um, you know, 50 cents to go and see a live show. So they often started featuring um, films with live performers, and then eventually the live performers were phased out, and they wanted more and more um, nudity. So um, the the cheekiness and and the the tease of burlesque um, sort of went out of style with the advent of these little short um, girly films. Right. Yeah. And to be clear, this is about putting the T's and strip T's. This is, a, this is a class act. Yeah. We're, we're definitely a historical group. We, we pay homage to the past. We do our research. We all, um, honor the, the greats that were, and we, we want to try to bring back the formulas that were used. We strive to have, um, comedy in our events, music, variety acts, just like, um, traditional burlesque shows would have right and um would those performers have drawn a line and said i'm absolutely not going there when burlesque wanted to go into into film and into more nudity would they just say yeah definitely i mean the big stars often actually ironically the big stars didn't know each other because they were always at different places that they never coincided their their um, engagements uh, they would have one big star at a time, and then they would all shift to the next place. So they often didn't even really get to know each other very well. But they, there were a set of standards, and when it changed over to um, strip club, burla- uh, wanting burlesque per- performers to f- perform in strip clubs, uh, the uh, headlining burlesque acts didn't want to make, mix and mingle. They didn't want to sell drinks, um, you know, do the champagne, uh, sit at a table and get them to order champagne and get a percentage. Uh, they didn't want to have to do those types of things. And then they also had um, limitations for their costumes, but a lot of those ladies were perfectly fine with nudity, mm. like full nudity. Um some, however, preferred to work with the G-string and pasties, but I think it depended upon uh, where you were, because a lot, like especially in Can- well, in Canada, especially there was a lot of laws about nudity. Um, things are just barely changing here in Saskatchewan regarding that. Yeah. Um, and in the states, there's still a lot of places where you cannot do um, topless. Uh, and then there's other places, you know, you go to the state, you go to the state of Nevada and pretty much anything goes. Yeah, right. So, you know, uh, it, it would just depend upon which, which city they were in, um, what they could wear and what they couldn't wear. Did Saskatchewan have any performers of note back in, in that era? Um, I haven't come across any mm. and I've been keeping my ear to the ground mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, has there been any, um, really famous people in the field from here? Um, but then again, uh, it's really difficult to find the living legends because they all use their stage names. So now to find them, uh, they're using real names, uh, you know, once they've retired from the business. And a lot of those ladies, um, sort of just disappeared, uh, without really leaving any trail. Hmm. So there could very well could have been performers and headliners that came from Saskatchewan. Um, but finding them, unless they step forward, um, is really difficult. That's kind of cool to have that sort of mystique mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. just exist only on the stage and never break that fourth wall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at the time, it was not considered um, a very honorable, uh, you know, employment. So a lot of those um, performers, once they retired from the stage, 
um, almost strove to erase that from any, you know, they didn't want anyone to really know that they had been a burlesque star. Right. Um, because it would be impossible for them to get another job or wow. to fit in, in fit in with a community. Nowadays, I mean, I think any burlesque star, uh, large, I can't imagine Dita Von Teese trying to you right. know, erase her her uh, career after right. she retires. I think it's something that we've learned is actually a legitimate um, art form and a. Um, has achieved star status for some performers. Right. So you studied dance. You've been a choreographer. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in Toronto and studied with um, with one of Canada's big names. Yes, Coco Framboise yeah. is uh, my teacher, and she has become quite a big star, um, both nationally and internationally. So I was really fortunate to be able to study with her in Toronto. And did you know you were going to head off in this direction when you started studying dance? I mean, uh, well, I work. For I, I work many jobs. I wear many hats. And when I uh, went to university, I, I, I got a, a degree in choreography mm-hmm. uh, from the University of Waterloo Dance Department. I work full-time as an artistic director of a contemporary dance company, and I run my own business. Um, I knew that I, I was going to be a choreographer. Right. Um, and my love of the history of dance, um, I also teach medieval dance. So mm. I'm kind of run the gambit there. Um, and uh, a variety of different styles. I've studied so many different styles. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all over the map. Um, I've always loved vaudeville. And I actually had a research grant to spend a year researching uh, vaudeville and the different dance styles within vaudeville. And of course, burlesque runs parallel to that. Right. So I also studied some burlesque. And then um, there was just so much local interest in what I was doing that people were encouraging me to learn more and perhaps to teach a class. So I thought, well, I'll just do a little training and I hopefully I make my $500 back, you know, (laughs) and that was uh, almost eight years ago. And there have been literally hundreds of students that have come through the training program that I have. Wow. Yeah. All here. All here. I would say probably getting close to about 400 ladies and maybe a dozen or so gentlemen that have done a six-week level one introduction to burlesque training course and that are um, what we would consider rosebuds. Wow. There's a lot of us. We're like a little mafia. That's amazing. (laughs) And do you all get together regularly for reunions and things? We have uh, parties and events, and I have an extensive email list, and Mm -hmm. we have uh, extensive lists on Facebook. And, um, you know, people come and go because, you know, people take burlesque for different reasons. They're all here for different reasons. Um, And some people enjoy the social aspect, and some people just, you know, they don't want to perform, but they'd like to learn something for their personal use. And, some people uh, become awesome volunteers at events, mm. and other people want to be on stage. So, uh, and you know, we've had a lot of people come through the university, so they graduate and they move on to other cities and wow. and whatnot. But yeah, we do have quite a quite a large group, um, quite a large network, and that must lots make you feel pretty proud. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. And it knows no gender. Knows no gender. Nope. And we know that because sitting right beside me is Conrad Fusion. Hi, Conrad. Hello. So let's get to know a little bit about you. Are you originally from Saskatchewan? No, I'm originally from Ontario. And how long have you been in Saskatoon? Uh, I'm going to say like eight to ten years. I moved away for a couple of years, but I came back. So about eight to ten years. Yeah. Right. Um, and 
When did you become a part of the uh, Rosebud Burlesque Club? Uh, 2010. So about four and a half years ago, I think. Okay. And what was the draw? What were you doing in your life that, that you did? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I had been friends with Jackie. Uh-huh. Uh, we lived in the same building, and uh, I, I just went to some shows to show my support, basically, of the burlesque. And that's when I was still... I think my first show was at Divas. Um, I was just one of the people in the audience that wished they could do that, I guess. And so eventually I did. Actually, I, I got introduced to the club originally as a drag performer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I did two or three guest spots as in drag. Um, and then I, there was one male performer at the time, Rip, um, Strongman. Rip Strongman. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I guess I just wanted to, to be able to do that and have the confidence to do that. And right. Yeah, it's a, it seems that it would be a confidence boost. Yeah. This experience. I, for, I kind of approached it a little differently too, um, cause I'm a, I'm a poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was having issues with my body, but I was also having issues, um, speaking, mm-hmm. um, in public. Um, which is why I, I performed in, in drag. Like I, I was completely covered up and I didn't have to say anything. I just had to lip sync. I always liked performing, but I was scared of those aspects of performing. Um, so I killed two birds with one stone and I, I did a spoken word striptease which kind of stuck. So my character, like most of the pieces that I've done have been spoken word right. while I'm taking off my clothes. So, wow. Yeah. That probably informs your writing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. Okay, so you brought up something that I wasn't necessarily going to go here, but is there a parallel to be made between drag and burlesque that is... A legitimate parallel, like I, I want to honor both art forms separately, but is there a crossover? I mean, there's certainly a crossover in the audience, yeah? Yeah, I would say, well, we're both queens. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> and drag is drag. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, Marlena Dietrich was drag. We're both me. bigger than life. We yeah, right. both have characters and personas. Right. Uh, we both have fabulous outfits. Um, you know, I mean, there's so, you know, we know how to put eyelashes on while in a car, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I think that (laughs) the shoe closets are comparable, right? But, you know, there's, there's a lot of parallels in terms of like the costuming and the performance qualities. And I do think also we're both fringe elements in terms of types of performances. Uh And, uh, fortunately in, in Saskatoon, I feel like the, the, both communities, the burlesque and drag communities, are supportive of each other. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I know that in my travels, I've come across many, many uh, crossovers between the drag communities and burlesque communities in other, in other cities and centers. And also, the you know, I mean, where do you... We're both working with sexuality identities. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both working with, um, you know, uh, putting the, the, the class back in sa- or right. sass back in, in the class or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we're both, um, doing tongue in cheek stuff. Sense of humor is very similar. 
Um, you don't do as much lip syncing, though, do you? N- no, burlesque doesn't generally do yeah. lip syncing. Right. Um, but I think that you know, th- as far as the the type of um, aesthetic, mm-hmm. it's very similar um, aesthetically, and I think we should be each other's guest performers. Right. Yeah. yeah sure. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's good to know that there that there is a, a, a parallel to be made between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Next, we have Mona Handful. That's me. Oh, right. That's you. Yes. yes. Okay, Mona. Yes. Uh, are you originally from Saskatoon? Actually, yeah, just outside of Saskatoon, but I went to school here. So, um, yeah, I've been here my whole life. A town just outside of Saskatoon? Yes. Uh, I, it was a small farm between Dalmany and Langham. Okay, right. So I went to French Immersion in town, so mm-hmm. that's what I do. And when did you come on board here? Actually, I took my first class in, I believe it was March 2009. Mm. I saw a performance in June 2008, and that was the first debutante ball for the Rosebud Burlesque Club, and I saw a girl that was curvy and voluptuous and so sassy, and I'm like... I can do that. I can't sing, but I can do that. Mm-hmm. So I signed up the next, uh, right after uh, the next session, and I've been doing it ever since. I haven't stopped. Now, had you had any kind of artistic background prior to this, or was this really outside of your... I wasn't completely outside the realm. I was, uh, I was a visual artist and a writer uh, in high school, mm-hmm. and then I also performed in the... Uh, high school musicals. I can't, like I said, I can't sing, but I can put on a show. So I did that all through high school, and then I was just looking for a new outlet. Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, do you do you launch into these things with the confidence to do to do this? You have to be pretty body confident. Actually, uh, that just comes. It some yeah. there's lots of people that join the club because they want it personally for a little bit of body confidence, and then once people clap every single time your top comes off or every right. single time your zipper comes undone, <laughs> it's hard not to be confident. Wow. Every single time. They just clap. It's awesome. <laughs> it amazes I would be terrified. So I mean I just I'm in awe that that you're so easily able to go there. Well, it was it was really small to start. I had a really good um class, the first class. I actually was in class with Stella Behavior. It was our 
first session together. And we were a really supportive group, all different sizes, all different ages. And then we all decided, hey, we're going to perform. And then everything we did was applauded. So then we just didn't stop. Right. And you got to perform at your own debutante. Yeah, we had our own debutante as Tell well. Tell me about the debutante ball. What is that all about? So basically, it was your first taunt, your debut okay. taunt. Right. Okay, so right. it was the first time you perform in public. And uh, we were really lucky because our group was smaller. And we did it right here in the, in the studio. It was a small group, family and friends. And we all got to show our very first piece that we developed in that uh, level two class. And yeah, I think we all just did a fantastic job when we still in all the same group is still performing. So I think it's great. Wow. Yeah. You seem very confident. <laughs> it's wonderful. I think that's part of my persona. Uh-huh. I, um, the person I am outside of Mona is not even close to the same person. Right. So when I'm Mona, there's a whole different person that comes out. There lies the beauty of theater as a whole. Yes. I wish everybody had outlets <laughs> like this. Yeah. You know, to, to run away and escape. Yes. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, uh, Stella Behavior. Ms. Ms. Stella, Stella Behavior. behavior. And by that tone already, I know what Darling, I'm dealing with. I'm older no. and I should know better, and I do so much better. <laughs> okay, I'm coming over a little closer to you because I want to, <laughs> I want to capture all of this. Let me hear this mantra of yours again. No, it's not my mantra. It's that people think the women of a certain age, when they get to a certain age, it's like, okay, you have to go home and learn how to knit brown rice sandwiches and much Martha Stewart. And as I said, I'm older and I should know better, and I do. So much better. It's, you do so much better. No, I know so oh, much you, better. You do. Okay. Yes, I do. All right, all mm -hmm. right. So you've learned a lot of life lessons. I've taught a few, <laughs> and continue to do so. I bet it's my personal hobby. Right, right. You're changing the world one person at a time. Sometimes three. <laughs> <laughs> Is that legal in Saskatchewan? I don't care. <laughs> Um, you, when did you, uh, are you originally from this province? No, I'm not. I'm originally from England. Are you really? Yes. And when did you come to, uh, we came to the to colonies? We came to the colonies in the mid-70s, mm -hmm. and it was quite the culture shock because people in Saskatchewan were surprised to hear that the Beatles had actually broken up. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, it was my, my sister and myself were all into the glam rock. We had our platform shoes and our Tootsie socks, where most people around here were just reusing Granny's gunny sacks. Like, there was no sense of style. Mm. And we were just like, you mean you don't know who T-Rex is? You don't know who Queen are? You don't, go away. Uh -huh. It was all Humphrey and the Dump Trucks. Not that there's anything wrong with Humphrey and the Dump Trucks, right. but no. Had you seen any burlesque in England? I had seen... Similar. I mean, you have to remember, I grew up watching Benny Hill. Yeah, right. <laughs> Plus the fact in England, there is a really long history of drag queens. Mm -hmm. um, Danny LaRue, 
was a very famous one and one of the, I can't remember his last name, but uh, he was in Are You Being Served? He was very famous for making his own costumes. He would be pantomime dames and people would actually go to him and beg him to make costumes because these things, he looked like the crinoline lady on those tacky, lovely little uh, Woolworth lamps. But no, I've seen similar acts. I mean, they call it being saucy or cheeky in England. It's, it's not it's not anything that's untoward. Something that's a bit suggestive is more appreciated than something that teaches you a life lesson. Right. Unless it's with me. I get the <laughs> I get the feeling you arrived at this club already with a pretty interesting background. Probably somewhat non-conventional. Oh, very non-conventional. By the time I got to high school and most of the people I went to high school with had mullets and, and were into hair bands. I was dyeing my hair black and wearing big boots and t-shirts with rude words on them mm-hmm. and ended up moving back to England and uh, hanging out at the goth bars and, and the punk clubs and just getting into so much trouble. It was wonderful. Right. And then you came back here again. Yes. Were things different when you came back? Or I, yes, they were. It was a little bit more cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I have a lot of close ties to the gay community here, and they were a lot more open mm-hmm. to the drag shows and things that before had to be kept secret because of if someone showed up to cause trouble. Yes. And so as the years progressed and people were accepting, and then when their burlesque opened up, it's like even now people are surprised there's a burlesque club. I still remember someone who got dragged here to a show last year. He works out in the oil field. And he came to town unexpectedly, and his his sisters dragged him here. And I think he ended up with, like, second-degree burns on his chin because it was dragging on the floor so much. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this, he said. <laughs> and I said, well, you'll have to come back. He says, but I work four hours away. I said, you can bike it. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I have a background in performing. I've worked with a couple of troops in town and done shows for the Fringe. Mm-hmm. And being in burlesque is a license to shop. <laughs> and I like shopping. Right. When did you come on board with the Rosebud class? Same class as Same. Mona, about five years five ago. Years ago right? And I started off sort of doing bits and pieces in some of the shows. And then later on, due to some shuffling, ended up being the present MC. Right. And speaking of shopping, you guys take your costumes very seriously, and some of the costuming is not inexpensive No, for this. My last piece of jewelry was $90. Right. And that's a mask. Right. Not something you can wear to Walmart. Well, I would, but I wouldn't care. Right. Do you salivate when Diamond L comes on the Home Shopping Channel? No, it's not gaudy enough. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and it's like, why have a demitasse when you and have a big gulp? We're talking big stones. Okay, Things right. that, like, weigh your head down because the earrings are so heavy. Right. And I read on the website that often burlesque performers spend more money on their costumes than you actually make performing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same in the drag community. Yes. It's expensive to do drag. It's even more expensive to do burlesque right. because you want to make sure that when they see you on stage, it's not necessarily... I mean, it is the performance, it is the way you carry, yourself, you carry yourself and the way the character is portrayed. But if you come on stage wearing something like the headmistress has a costume, that when she walked on stage, her caravana costume, you heard the silence. Yeah. Because people were just, like, it's a full-on caravana costume that just takes over the whole stage. And people are like, where did she get that? 
I'm going to make one and wear it in the basement. Like people were just blown away. And some of the costumes that Mona's made and some of the things that Conhan has done, especially with his little girl in the pigtails and the full beard is my favorite. <laughs> you do need to make a statement and the way you portray yourself with your costume is a large part of your character. Right. So, yes, it's a lot of fun. And during your, your other life, um, do you get to live as creatively as... As here? Well, the one thing that was fun is that when I um, started my earlier life, shall we say, I collected vintage clothing and vintage jewelry and shoes. And then when I started coming to the burlesque, I realized I had pieces that didn't fit me anymore, so I started parceling them out. And then I realized, well, I need something, but it doesn't fit me. So I started making costumes. I started making props. I already do make toys. Yes, I'm a burlesque performer, and I make toys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I, I'm happiest when I'm making something. Are these toys with batteries? No, I buy them. <laughs> <laughs> no, mostly I make wooden toys. I make dolls. Okay. I make doll house furniture right. and dolls houses. But I, I love making costumes and helping others work with costumes. And Halloween is our high holy holiday. I know, Jackie told me. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine. Well, I'm, one of my pieces... Uh, that I did was called Puss in Boots, uh-huh. and I built a four-and-a-half-foot articulated tail that moves on its own. Wow. And it's just... I also made another one for a Halloween costume that's six-foot long, and I have to actually hang on to it because it kills people, which is convenient because it is an alien costume. But no, I, I love to make things. I love sewing and just creating. There should be a whole line of burlesque dolls. Somebody is actually doing that. Really? Yeah. There's, um, like, you have the Can-Can doll that you have in your office. There is somebody down in the States that's doing um, porcelain, doll, porcelain dolls and they're bedazzling them. I can't remember the name. But I mean, that's something that I actually do as well. I mm-hmm. buy a lot of older... There's the Realistic Doll Company, which was a doll company from the 30s and 40s, and they have very beautiful hair, and you can make them into a costume doll easily. And I've got about half a dozen stashed away at home. It's just finding the time to do them. Right. If you're enjoying this episode of Sascapes, why not download the entire series for free from the iTunes Store? Simply search for Sascapes by Sass Culture. And while you're there, feel free to support Sascapes by giving us a star rating or writing a review. From time to time, I'll share some of the comments in upcoming episodes. And who knows, it could be your comment I read next. And now, back to the podcast. going to run over to the other side and to just we get one more guest in and then it'll be a free-for-all with all of you here we are on the other side of the room you're awfully quiet yes I am. i'm known for that here <laughs> and you are i'm the scarlet fawn the scarlet fawn are you one of the newer members of the group yes i joined officially to the troupe this january okay but i've been performing my first class was june 2000 or september 2011 so i've been in in burlesque for three years now. Right. Yes. Uh, the classes are workshops that are held, yeah? Is um, that what they are? Or do you just sort of come here and sign up for a class? It was the level one class that okay. I started. So it was a group of girls. Um, there are workshops as well, but my first experience was through the class. It and was... you audition to get into the class? No. No, you just have... And what brings you to... Where do you, where do you get to in life that <laughs> brings you to a class of burlesque? 
I don't really remember what it was specifically. I mean, I I don't have any training in dance. I uh, I always wanted to. I grew up in Battleford, which is an hour and a half north. So small town. There was nothing, you know. I was very much a musical kid. That was my outlet was to go to the theater, the one theater, and watch the movies and everything. But I just, I, I remember being in a part of my life where I was serving and I wasn't happy because I'm very much a creative person and I knew that I had to get that outlet somehow to keep me sane. Uh-huh. And I just Googled burlesque in Saskatoon. And then the Rosebud page came up and saw the information and I emailed the headmistress and... Yeah, but how, you could have Googled any creative outlet. What what made you Google burlesque? I mean, did you know anything about burlesque? I knew nothing about burlesque. Wow. You, but you wanted to be I think I was watching movies on Netflix. I was just watching different dance movies, and I had watched a documentary on burlesque, and I just felt so drawn to it because it had every element that I loved, the costuming, the glitter, the music, total freedom, the sexual... Um, just aspect of it is really mm-hmm. exciting to me as well because it's so I was raised in a religious very religious households uh-huh. oh, that I really. never felt I belonged in because I had to keep all of that very secret you know like what what's nudity and first time I saw boobs or you you just didn't talk about it so when you suppress things like that they they come up Grew and, up in the same environment. Yeah. I so understand. Yeah, so so you get it. Yeah, and yeah, so it yeah. was just, I was, oh, it's so beautiful. And I just, uh-huh. I have to do that. Wow. And I just. And you were hooked. The I was hooked. The yeah. Time. Right. And now you're going to be part of the Halloween show as yes. well. Yes. It'll be my second Halloween show, actually. Right. Yeah. How do you all arrive at your stage names? How do you find your, your persona? Um, it, is that part of the process through the classes? You don't launch into these persona right from the get-go. No, I think uh, headmistress is really good at um, right at the in the beginning of the class session, trying to say, trying to um, let you find your own person. So she's like, this person has to be a bigger person and more outgoing than you are right now so try this walk try this laugh try this little lit of the face try this little turn try a different attitude maybe sultry maybe cute and then you just then you're then you're as you do your practicing and going through the steps you find something that just resonates with you. A lot of people come into class and they think that they're going to be a certain type of character. Right. Um, I, I really believe that you can't know, well, most 90% of people don't know in advance what kind of burlesque character they're going to be. They have to try on all the attitudes and all the different styles. Who knows? Maybe they're really funny. Maybe they're actually like super smoldering sexy and they had no clue because a lot of people don't get a chance to um, bring out that side of their personality. Um, All of the, all of their personas and characters are are based on something that is theirs. So something that is real for them or that they've always desired or that they'd always longed for or that is already a little hidden part of their personality. And then what burlesque does is is it brings it out and expands it and finds a bigger, larger-than-life version of that and gives you permission. It gives you permission to explore that part of yourself uh, or that part that you've never even considered. Um, And then I ask people to draw on 
um, that to find their character name. So we don't name ourselves in level one until the last class. Ah. So great. you have the full six week session to figure out what's my style? What do I enjoy? Am I this? Am I that? Um, and then on top of that, I always encourage people to make their name feel meaningful to themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, do you have favorite, does your character have favorite colors? Do they have an occupation? Do they have a history? Uh, what time period are they from? Um, so, you know, then that helps you inform whether or not uh, you're going to have a funnier name or are you going to use a real name. Um, for instance, Mona Handful, everyone in the entire club calls her Mona. No one knows her real name because Mona is actually a name, and but it's still the pun, and she has this very sort of Carol Burnett side of her that's very funny. Um, so, you know, I, I think that using, you know, favorite colors and, and flowers and you know, foods and things that your character would really enjoy helps inform the name. Right. Yeah. And of course, Google it and make sure nobody famous has it because, right. you know, you don't want to step on someone else's toes sure. or try to be the next so-and-so because, you know, if somebody uh, who's really well-established has that name already, right. uh, then they could, well, number one, they're going to be upset yeah. at you for taking their name. Sure. Um and number two, you're always going to be in their shadow. Yeah. So you need to find an original way to express yourself through right. your name. But I would think that you play a huge part. You must have to be very intuitive um, as you're observing uh, people coming into your classes to to hone in on some of the aspects that they may not even be aware of. Yeah, yeah. Definitely it's part of my job as the teacher, the headmistress and choreographer. Uh, I'm a people reader. Um, I watch yeah. people. I intuit from their movement. And, their, and I find elements uh, through their physicality to draw on and encourage. And, that, and that's my job as a teacher and choreographer. Right. Do you all find that you wind up being people observers um, more so now than you may have been before um, since you've gone through this process? I always have been. You always have been. Definitely kind of fly on the wall. I like to watch people. and Right. I'm not shy. And if I have something to say, I'll say it. But I very much like watching how people react and communicate with one another. I find right. it interesting. Do you ever find personas and then ditch them, find out that it just was not lots the right people, direction? Yeah, lots of people change their mind or just totally ditch it and go, go a different direction. Uh, lots of people have alter egos within their alter egos. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I do myself. I have a gothy uh, sort of... Um, fetishy character and my fetishy character is called Tarantella Pavan wow. and she does like latex and leather and gothy stuff and my headmistress Cherry Popper would never ever be caught dead in that outfit <laughs> you know <laughs> so yeah I think it's fun to have an alter ego for your character wow there's a bit of a simple element going yeah through. yeah <laughs> and you know I, I think Mona Handful could probably speak to that a little bit too yeah actually my main character is a comedic Carol Burnett I love Lucy person yeah. but I also have different facets I've been working on like a cabaret character who's a little bit dark and heavy but she's still like Mona dark and heavy Minnelli, yeah <laughs> yeah a little bit Liza Minnelli so I try to I I always try to be Mona but I also have different sides of Mona you have that a male character. That's right. I do have a male character. You have a male character. I do. Who's that? Uh, it's Mona Handful's brother Manny Handful. 
And <laughs> he's kind of, he's more of a slapstick vaudeville performer. So That's a big wardrobe change for you then. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Right. Um, but generally, the characters complement each other, but mm-hmm. they're still two different people. They're actually Mona and Manny rather than Mona being Manny. And Conrad can probably speak to that as yeah. well. Conrad? I have a female character Conrad's and a male character. A bender, uh, character Actually, character. which is kind of where the name came in. Like, I'm, I'm Conrad Fusion as a male, and I'm Connie Fusion as a female, but I'm always, like, Confusion, as in, like, gender confusion. Oh, right, right. I guess. And, um, and did you find your female character out of your poetry? Yeah, she's she does little rhymes that are tend to she tends to be my wise character. Um, she's a little she's a, a little girl usually sometimes a teenage girl um, <laughs> and bearded. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. You me- you meant yeah. What? Where do you find that? Um, it's almost something that you would see. And she is a- like the wise crone in a child's body. Yeah. She always has the poignant things to say. Plus yeah. The, fact that the whole body language comes out, and all of a sudden there's like this 12 year old girl with a beard. But where did the beard come from? <laughs> well, I have a beard naturally, I guess. And, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and right. I perform as a male. Right. Sometimes I perform as a male and a female in the same show. Wow. Um, that's very deep, actually. <laughs> and plus, it. it takes me back to like my drag roots, which I didn't want to abandon completely because that's where I gained a lot of confidence on stage. And right. And are you working through some child issues? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know of. <laughs> I think that a lot of Conrad's work is based on gender identity. Right. And I think his having dual. Uh, or alter ego um, personas is actually a really logical extension of that yeah. work. So, um, and also to have uh, a female character that is bearded is—it's a pretty big social comment on the way that people view gender identity. Yeah. And and in within our club, we're all we're a very open club. We accept people of all backgrounds and types and gender identities. Uh, we've worked with the trans community. We've worked uh, to host a Queer Lask uh, workshop two years ago. We did a big one for Pride and um, featured some of our uh, queer, queer-oriented queer burlesque pieces for, that, for people to see at that workshop as well as to try on some of the things and to do some of the work themselves. Um, and I think that that's part of what we as a club strive to um, support is uh, is the widening of uh, acceptance of all sexuality-related issues, um, including gender identity, um, uh, sexual preference, um, the ability of women to be own their own nudity, um, and all of those c- come together. And, and when you have a, a group uh, that is um, supportive in a multitude of ways you just create a stronger base to work from right. so we we find we get a lot of crossover um i have my fir- uh, first transgender student in my level one burlesque and um i think it's a wonderful way to be uh expanding into the community and creating stronger stronger ties 
um, between people who are already marginalized. I'm curious to know for a transgender person's journey through this, what gender you would find your persona taking on. Well, I think it's really up to them. Right. I think it's really up to them. They, they're the ones to discover. And if you look at some of the famous performers like Tigger, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar. I don't know Tigger. Okay, so do Google Tigger because Tigger is a male person uh, who often performs as a female person or as a male person dressed as a female person doing burlesque. Wow. Um, and... Uh, Fantastic gender bending, uh, gender issue uh, uh, discoveries that he he does through his routines, and fantastic riveting performer. He's a he- he's now a headliner and a sort of global star. Wow! Yeah, and he began his work in performance art because he didn't feel like he fit into any particular genre, uh, but he also likes to get naked. So he naturally, as he discovered burlesque, he 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 decided that that was something he wanted to get well, go get further involved with. Why are people why do people find it hard to go there? Well, I mean people fear change. They I fear guess. and resist change and 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 uh you know, I mean I think now in this uh century um or even just the last couple of decades, people have been more outspoken about this is the way I am, this is this is me, take it or leave it. Um and I think also there are bigger things for us to worry about in this world. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. if people want to get on their high horse about something, let's let's make it something that's that's going to impact their, the whole Earth globally, yeah. like environmental issues or or um, ISIS yeah. gender issues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. So, you know, I think people are just more educated now with um, television and news and internet. They, there's bigger pictures going on, yeah. and. Ultimately, uh, we're all human beings when it comes down to it. And if we unite, no matter how what our differences are, we're going to be stronger for it. Right. You're, you've mentioned nudity a couple of times, but I want to be clear, you're not doing nudity. We don't do full nudity in our club. We're, we stick with um, the very classic retro style, so we do pasties and G-strings. Um, uh, that's, Some of us may look like we're naked on stage when actually we Yeah, we do, a lot of, <laughs> we do a lot of illusion work. How do you do the illusion of being nude without being nude? Because there are certain um, pieces of underwear. You can have flesh-colored pasties. Oh, right. And there's also, what are they called? Lighting effects. Lighting effects. But what's that, what's that thing that she used in the cannonball, that underwear... Merkin? No, not a Merkin. It, it's that flesh-colored underwear. Oh, that's yeah. On, yeah, it's a Merkin. It's, it's, yeah, just a, it's, it's like on a, on a spring and an elastic, and just you thwap that thing on. And yeah, they're called you a could, string. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> they're basically yeah. like this, and you, like a little V, and you just stick oh. it on you. Oh. And it just stays on. But it, um, if, if people are sort of like squinting, they go... If you're at a yeah. distance and the lighting is right, you can't tell if people are naked or not, but we never do full nudity. We always stick within the, the theatrical guidelines of all the bits are covered. Mm-hmm. Um, how, uh, however, that one um, Halloween when I did the uh, Merkin, or the, I did the G-string that had the um, stripe of red sequins mm-hmm. down the center of the, the crotch, um, so many people were like, I can't believe you were naked, because it looked like it oh, looked wow. like a shaved naked woman 
and but it wasn't. Right. It was it was it looked the, like a landing strip. Looked like a landing strip. <laughs> looked like a landing strip, and and, uh, and but it was it was actually that. not. It was a costume piece. Uh, one of my uh, students, who was a nurse, was so convinced that I w- that I was naked that I actually had to pull it out and show her the costume piece for her to believe that it wasn't. Wow. Real. So we like to do fun, illusionary stuff, um, but we always stick within what's legal. Conrad, is it harder for a male to create those illusions? I've never actually. Well, I think he just th- takes his clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> the you, you the furthest I yeah. the furthest I've gone with it is um, I was Adam. In one of like the original man. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, Fig Leaf City. Yeah, so I had a leaf, right, with with a pouch, and that was right. it. Right. Um, <laughs> so you don't go to Walmart to find things like that. So no, I, mean, I have to order a lot of stuff online. Actually, it's 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 there's a couple of shops in town that have a bit of a selection, but bodacious bus lines. Bodacious bus lines. Yeah. Warm- has a men's owned section. and run by a rosebud. We're everywhere. <laughs> no kidding. In Warman of all places. Says you can't throw a pasty without hitting one of us in the head. <laughs> and talking about other characters, like yeah. Stella's character right. is very expensive. You have to be able to afford her before she'll pay any attention. Why does this not surprise me? However, Stella has an alter ego. It's also a drag king character, and it's Duncan Disorderly. Who's polar opposite? He's a London rude boy, and he's disgusting. He grabs boobs and arses and just is completely off-color, and people do not recognize Duncan as being Stella. We actually had people who know Stella... Say, who is that guy? Who is that guest bingo caller? That rude we one. Oh. <laughs> guest bingo caller, that rude, what, that rude man. I'm like, that was Stella. Get out of here! I just couldn't believe but it. But does he have a heart? Does he have an easier time uh, uh, finding clothes? Oh well, yeah, because I because just I just wear men's clothes, right. and sometimes I pad or I, I wear trousers that are too tight, so I have the beer belly and I have a mustache. Mm-hmm. And one night we did a doctor sketchy at Divas. And one of the drag queens who I'm friends with was there as himself. And I proceeded to hit on him with my London rude boy accent. And he's screaming, who are you? Get away from you, me. And all of a sudden, he looked me in the face and went, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> By this time, I'd already chased him around the club twice. So, <laughs> Do you ever turn off? No. <laughs> I'm English. You, you, you can't help but... Uh, you know, we English, we're a well-balanced lot. We have a chip on each shoulder. Uh-huh. And um, you always try to find the funny side of things. Yeah, that's a great way to go through life. Though. Well, it's, you know, it's the same when you go back to the World War One and World War Two, and all the, the Brits are in the trenches and the Germans are yelling and swearing and they're having a cup of tea and singing It's a Long Way to Tipperary, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, you had to. Yeah, got no choice. Right, right. Um... We're not in a building that has a little tiny door in a back alley somewhere where people are slinking in, which is very liberating. Um, how do you, any of you want to talk about the? I mean, I don't, you were probably here during a time when yes, when the clubs were a well, small back unmarked door in a back alley. They well, they were, and in the gay community, I had friends that were almost killed. They yeah. were chased and 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 beaten, and and now. It's getting to the point where 
it's almost acceptable. There's still a slight generation gap between when you look at the people who are in high school now to people who were out of high school about 10 years ago. There's a little bit of a gap there, but most people don't care. Um, my own children were raised knowing that there's different types of people and it doesn't matter who or what they are as long as they're a good person. And one of his friends came out to all of his friends at school and said, I have something to tell you. And he said, what? He said, I'm gay. And they go, well, we know. Are you coming to the movies later on tonight? Uh -huh. <laughs> and it's the same with being out as a burlesque performer. And I, I think that the younger generation in Saskatchewan is very interested in all of these art forms. You know, the renew, renewal of, 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 of burlesque and cabaret and all of those more slightly more risque things. Uh, our audiences are always full. We have great attendance at our events. So obviously people are interested. And we do get a clientele that ranges, you know, from 19 to senior citizens because, you know, let's face it, some of those seniors have been to the real burlesque yeah, shows, right? Think yeah. You know, so we, we get a good variety. I'd say our audience is probably 5 to 10% of the gay community per, mm -hmm. per show. Is mm -hmm. that our, audi is our audience? I would say our, our female contingency is up sitting around 60%. Um, so the straight male contingency is the, probably one, one of the lower contingencies. A lot of the straight males that are there are um, husbands and family members of the performers, uh, although we do get some single straight men. We give them an education, and also um, our club is very feminist club, uh -huh. and we're you know we're we're, we're very pro women, mm -hmm. and well we're pro people, but we're very pro women, and we're very empowering of women um, in in terms of what we present, mm -hmm. uh, subject matter wise. Um, all pieces have to be auditioned or viewed before being put on stage if they're part of if they're going to represent the club. Um, even if they're not troop members, they have if they're um, club members and they've graduated and they're interested in trying out the stage, they have to show the work to me but to have approval for it to go on stage. We want to make sure that we never use um, any content that would be um, anti-women, mm -hmm. anti-body image, mm -hmm. or uh, racist or prejudice or anti-gay. We we want to we want to make sure that we're. Um, uh, very inclusive, and we're not to say that we don't want to have controversial material. We do. We right. love controversial uh -huh. material. Right. Okay. However, we want it to be within a vein that is inclusive of the people that are the most supportive of our club, and also we don't want to backtrack on all of the um, foothold that we've gained. So we we always make sure that we're heading in the direction that we believe in morally and philosophically. Right. Yeah. Um, before I came, you were holding auditions. So what are those auditions? about? Uh, we're currently, we were just doing auditions for the annual Peekaboo Halloween Burlesque Extravaganza. Okay. Um, our Halloween show tends to be a no-holds-barred show. We, we allow all different types of music, and uh, we allow, allow um, different styles of burlesque. So if people want to do, like, gore-lesque or, you know, kind of like guar but burlesque style, if they want to do um, something that's uh, vicious or they want to use heavy metal music or they we allow sort of all of that type of thing right. um fetish stuff um this year uh we're doing a theme called creep the creepy creature feature so we wanted to make sure all of the acts were in line with the theme um that they had suitable subject matter 
Um, and but these people that you've auditioned would have already gone through classes. Um, yeah, I think everybody had taken classes, but we do have, these are open auditions, so oh. we often have musicians come and, and other spoken word artists. Um, occasionally we've got a, um, a kinetic prop or circus performer that comes and auditions a piece for us, and they don't, because we do like to have variety, variety acts mm-hmm. within the shows as well. Um, so um, most of the people have taken the level one class, but not all. Um, we try to take all of the acts that audition. Um, that's sort of our our guideline is that we'd like to accept you all. Um, sometimes we can't if there's an act that's too similar to another act or something that's just not uh, working with the theme or has a concept that we don't necessarily agree with. But generally, our auditions are to motivate people to have their work in progress, ready to show someone a month before the show so that they can get constructive criticism and feedback from the entire, well, this there was as many of the troop members as we can yeah. get together yeah. and have a month still to finish com- the completion of the work and also do any costume updates or make any changes that have been suggested by the troupe so that their piece will come out um, top notch. We Ultimately, we want everyone to look their best on stage. And as a producer, which is what I do like all year round, Mm -hmm. um, I won't be responsible for someone saying, how could you let me go on stage looking like that? So... Um, sure. That's also why our shows are so popular because we do have such such stringent um, process of getting your work on stage. And your shows are always in the free flow space. Um, no, no, we do shows uh, all over the city. Um, we've done shows at the Refinery. We've done shows at the old Off Broadway Dinner Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a big show uh, last fall um, at the Broadway. We did Burlesque on Broadway. It was a ma- massive show, yeah. um, completely sold out. Uh, we've done shows at Troupe du Jour. Um, Do you tour the province? Have you done that? Any we've done some touring around. We did shows in Regina, and we're doing um, a tour out to Cold Lake in the new year. And we're um, we're doing uh, oh no, we're doing a show at, out at Prairie Land for a women's exhibition um, coming up shortly. And um, some of us tour individually. Uh, as a group, we've gone to Vancouver International Burlesque Festival twice, which mm-hmm. was fabulous. Um, and then as a, individuals, we also um, travel and represent the club. So myself, I do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've done shows in Toronto and Edmonton and Vancouver and um, San Francisco. And also Conrad's done a lot yeah, of touring. Yeah, Edmonton, Toronto, um, New, Orleans New Orleans last year. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. And so somebody's going to hear this. More than one, I hope, and say, I gotta go. I gotta go do one of these classes. We can find you on the internet yeah. at www.rosebudburlesque.com, and our website is being currently changed over to WordPress. So if you're having a hard time um, getting a specific page to load, you can also find us on Facebook, of course. We are all over the social media. You can also find us on Twitter. So um, we're really easy to find. So if you just look Rosebud Burlesque Club, on um, Facebook or Twitter, um, you'll definitely be able to find us. Yeah. I might be brave enough one day to give it a <laughs> shot. I don't hold out any promises. I'm but collecting names for my next boy last class. For your next classes. It, it does. It's the Santa baby class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
it, it does like take some bravery initially, I think, but it gets easier mm-hmm. every time. And like, drag doesn't for me at all. There's no inhibition with drag at all. Well, I'm still. I mean, me personally, I'm still nervous every single time I go out mm-hmm. on stage. Like, I think I might like throw up. I think, as, <laughs> I think as a performer, you need to be nervous. Yeah, I think you're. You need to be right. nervous because right. you need the energy that nervousness um, uh, gives you. You need to be. But, as a performer, you learn how to channel that energy and yeah. use it on stage. So without, if you weren't nervous, your performance wouldn't be as good. But I think um, what happens is that the the group of people that are attracted to this type of art form. They're really awesome people. Yeah, yeah. They're awesome, amazing, interesting, innovative, creative, out-of-the-box thinkers. Mm-hmm. And when you get in a room with those people, it's contagious. Yeah. It's absolutely tangible. And, you, you know, they say you are what you eat. But, you know, for burlesque, it's who you're around. It's who, who you're um, working with and engaging with and who are you learning with and studying with. It amazes me as a teacher every single time to see a new level one class come in and to see the absolute transformation mm-hmm. from day one to the graduation day. And to be clear, your persona is very key to this art form. You're not doing this because there's shame and nobody wants to be out with this. It's mm-hmm. it, it, you, you appear in public, even when interviewed 99.99% of the time, as your persona. Yeah, that's correct. how you're known, mm-hmm. and that's part of the mystique of also as an audience member that we know you only as that persona that we don't. Yeah, and this is a historically based thing. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at uh, stage performers. Uh, Gypsy Rose Lee was Gypsy Rose Lee right. wherever she went. Um, Did we ever know? know her name? Uh, it's real? in it's we yeah it's somewhere, but it's you know in a right. biography somewhere. But right. who knows her name? No one knows her name, right? Right. right. And s- same with. Tempest Storm, same with, yeah. you know, and same with a lot of people. I don't actually. think we ever knew Divine's name. No, Divine was Divine. Yeah. And I think in the documentary they there do say the name. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Divine was Divine, and Divine is still a household name. Yeah. Well, in the yeah. burlesque scene, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the drag scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, it's part of the fun, uh, is having this character name and selling this character and being in the persona. Um, it's nothing to do with shame. It's nothing to do with hiding. I think everyone in the troupe is out. Out of the closet, yeah. burlesque closet. Yeah. Man, is that closet glittery? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but everybody is glitter behind you. As yeah, you leave. it's pretty hard. Once you get the glitter, it's like a herpy, right. you know. Right. Just, just never goes away. So right. you know, I mean, I think everybody in the troupe is very out about what they're doing in terms of being a performer. Um, it is considered a professional group, and um, you know, we do pair performers, and we. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they may spend eight times as much on their costume, but, right. um, you know, we do consider it a professional group. They do training. Uh, they do um, audition processes. They do professional performances. And uh, I think it's an art form we can all be proud of because it's actually um, taken a lot of um, uh, things out of the closet for many people who are just, just normal, everyday, average people. They come to the show. I don't know how many times we've heard women say, I just... I feel so much better about myself leaving this building. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I like the way you guys recognize true beauty or true, uh, how you show that every person, no matter what shape, size, age is sexy mm-hmm. and how you bring back, oh yes, people just like people mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. The only person that's, that's, you know, um, 
that probably doesn't like burlesque is the media, uh, you know, like print media, magazines and Cosmopolitan and all those kind of things because we are breaking all these taboos and, you know, we, we have big, bodacious, busty gals yeah, but and we've so got short to... ones and tall ones. And, but think you know. of the ivory ads and how empowering those were supposed to be to women's bodies. So why would, why would there be a prejudice against this? Well, I think it's just uh, ivory ads were very contrived. Uh-huh. To be, a they were contrived to be perfect, sure. even yeah, though they weren't you're right. perfect. You're right, and we're not. We're all about the good yeah. old messy human beings. Yeah. And uh, your and photos are fabulous. Thank on you. The website. <laughs> and also, we're real people. And you know, I think it's really great for the audience to be able to meet us and talk to us in person. Yeah. And it's very empowering to to women to see everybody represented, and um, men. And men. Yeah, and I, men. I have more. Men come up to me after a show than anyone else to compliment me, and there's often the comment like, "I, I could never do that." Yeah, and I think it's so great that you are, and and they need to see it, too. and they they need to see it. Actually, that was something that Tigger told me last time I saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't take off as much as the women on the stage, and he he kind of schooled me on it a little bit and said, "You know, like the men in the audience need to see you take as much off as the women." Um, it's important for them to see a man do that and have the confidence to do that. So I think, yeah, I, I definitely see that in the men too. They really appreciate it. And the people in the audience and everybody was yelling and screaming. I mean, the first two rows of women, I think, were pregnant by the end of the act. But everybody, men, women, and there was all ages, they... They wouldn't stop applauding when he was done. It was one of the best reactions I've ever seen. And even after that, I said, well, I've got nothing to say after that. I mean, there wasn't anything you could say because everybody in the audience loved it. There wasn't a single person who wasn't cheering or clapping or laughing. And it just made such an impression. People absolutely loved it. That's fantastic. And yeah, the one thing I was going to say before there is... Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, we still get nervous when we go on stage, but I think I speak for everyone when I say, like, we're not nervous about showing our bodies. No. Like, we're nervous about getting the routine right, and we're nervous ah. about getting the lines right, but we're not nervous about showing our skin. It's a totally different reason for being nervous. It's about, we're only nervous because we want the, the act to be the best yeah. it can yeah. be. Oh, wow. But I, I don't think there's anyone who's nervous about, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to take off my shirt. That's no. not nerve. You're not nervous no. about that. You're more nervous like, I hope those brand new pieces of Velcro I put on weren't too big so it won't come off smoothly. <laughs> right? Like that's that's wow. the thing that you worry about. Wow. Oh, I you know, I Franken stitched this little thing onto my underwear. I hope it doesn't go flying, as opposed to I'm gonna be seen in my underwear. So like, it's the wardrobe yeah, malfunction, like, not the new I hope I don't have a pasty. I've always wondered course, about that. <laughs> I mean, frankly. of course you're like first one or two acts, you're going to be nervous about that. Like yeah. how is the audience gonna to react to my body? And you know that is on your mind initially but as you continue like it's really the last thing on your mind it disappears and it, it actually takes into your everyday life too like i find myself as a more body confident person as myself than as conrad like it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it definitely carries over it's mm-hmm. changed my life completely wow. actually are there people that come and go oh no no no, no we don't want to see that we don't. Is there is there a prejudice among some audience members oh, who come is. for the first there time? Is. Go, no, yeah. no need There's to be always, seeing that. 
there's always some some guy or some gal who's uh-huh. like, ah. but you know what? We have membership cards, and if we don't like people's behavior, we revoke the membership. Uh-huh. And, you know, we don't need uh, nobody. In fact, I, I was bragging about this the other day, that if somebody is being rude or inappropriate in the audience, the first person, the first line of defense is the other audience members. They oh, will right. turn on that person so uh-huh. fast. They don't want to hear it. They don't agree with them. And if somebody's saying, oh, that girl's ass is fat, like everybody around them will be looking at them going, hey, buddy, I think wow. you're in the wrong show. Hecklers, oh. not welcome. Well, hecklers we're okay with, but heckling in a smart, intelligent, clever way, um, you know. You get a retort from a stellar behavior. Which well, you yes, you would want. you in your place. And then in my place for about four hours tied up to something, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think you would feed off of that. But I'm most, I don't think I've ever had anybody say anything disparaging against any of the performers, mm-hmm. except to encourage the person who was just off on stage and just left, bring them back. Yeah. They want to see them again. But I don't think I've ever heard anybody yell or say anything that was derogatory against any of the performers. Well, yeah. Most of that, if we hear it at all, is somewhere somewhere other than during the performance. We've heard a few rude things said by people after performances, uh, you know, outside or, you know, at an after party or something like that. And you know what? When they say it to another audience member, they, the audience members shut them down. And you know what? Those people don't come back, and, and, and we're okay with that because I think, uh, you know, the type of environment that we we want to, um, or they're converted, right? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Or they're educated, yeah. right? And they change their mind. Some people come in thinking this is going to be like a, I don't know, some kind of exotic sex show that involves yeah. ping pong balls and things, <laughs> right? And then they don't get that, but right. they get something else, and they walk out of there going, "Wow." I had no idea, and I love that, right. and I want to support that. And, you know, those converts are the people we love to get into the show because, you know, we, change, we, we help change their viewpoints in terms of a lot of things that we agree with and we want to share with people. And we have so many different ages and shapes and sizes <laughs> and sexualities, and there are people that come that are used to what society looks at in the media as, you know, the, the basic model type. And they end up falling in love with the most voluptuous person mm. on stage. And you literally have to watch where you walk because there's puddles of drool all over the place. <laughs> Young, hot guys that go, oh dear, you know, she doesn't have a perfect body. It's like, will you marry me by the end of the show? I actually wow. had a, a, something happen to me very recently. I was, we were doing a performance at the university here in town. And... You know, I'm in my mid-40s, and I had, after the performance, uh, a young man came up to me, had to be 20, 21, who told me that I was the sexiest woman he has ever seen in his life. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I'm not, I'm not no spring chicken, and I certainly don't look like a model. So, uh, I, I, you know, he just, he said it was absolutely riveting, life-changing. He had never seen so much sexual confidence, and he had never seen, uh, ever experienced anything like it. And, wow, it was really st- extremely flattering to me as a performer, um, and also, I felt really good about just changing his viewpoint on women in general. I think he was absolutely shocked at how uh, how different 
I was from other people that he had met mm. and that now he knows that exists and that he can, that he appreciates it and enjoys it. So hopefully he'll promote that in, no a, in any other woman that he dates. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. So. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Boy, you're just, it's, it's so inspiring and so empowering to hear what it is that you're doing. I was not off the mark when I found the website and said, I've got to meet these people. Um, a couple of and years. we're pretty fun. You are. You are. Well, here's hoping you get a lot of people replying to this podcast by signing up for classes. Yeah, or just, you know, even if they're interested, they can, the they can go to the website, send us an email, you know, with their thoughts on burlesque and... You know, and if they want to see some shows or we do um, like, you know, girls night out parties mm. and we don't, we don't, we, we will, we'll do um, private shows, but we only do mixed gender. Mm-hmm. So we don't do um, stag yeah, parties. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, if somebody wants to book us, we're doing gala events for various not-for-profits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Thank you all so much. What a pleasure to meet you all. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> nice to meet you, you too. Thanks for listening. The Sascapes podcast is created by Kevin Power as part of the Culture Days Animateur program operated by Sass Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lotteries Trust Fund for Sports, Culture and Recreation. If you want to hear more of these podcasts or to see the great work being done by other Sass Culture animateurs, please visit www.iheartculture.ca. Special thanks to Paved Arts in Saskatoon for their technical support. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There is no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time...